I knew that I wanted it more than I cared what people thought of it. I emailed Seth Godin and he was like, I don't think this is going to work. You have to just, if you really want that thing more than people can tell you that you shouldn't do it, then you run forward with it. This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What is going on, folks? This is the Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark, episode three. Thanks for listening. Ah, Jason Surferap is on the show today, and I've got to say, he is one of the most brilliant guys I've ever met. I may even have a little man crush going on. I don't know. I'm not saying one way or the other, but what an amazing conversation. That guy is just. I just feel like I, I want to um, move into the house next to his, be his neighbor, hang out all the time, and, you know, just ask him questions all the time. What do you think about this, Jason? What do you think about that, Jason? What do you think about this, Jason? You know, I, c- I could spend my life doing that, which, you know, I would never get anything done. I would, that would be a bad thing, and I would annoy the shit out of him. So, probably a good thing that I am not moving to San Diego. Nevertheless, Jason Surfer App, otherwise known as Jason Sadler, is on the show today, and I'm very excited about this conversation. A lot of fun and a lot more inform- and a lot more informative and helpful than I intended. You know, these conversations I'm having, I'm having for myself. I just, I just want to have fun talking to interesting people that I want to get to know. And Jason just, I mean, he can't help but just spread knowledge. I mean, he's so uh, knowledgeable about marketing and just what he does and not in any sort of sleazy way, but just a really creative guy. And, 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 and two of my favorite topics of discussion, we spent the whole hour talking about, uh, that is of course the overconnected world. We live in the always on, always connected world because of social media and Facebook and Instagram. And I guess I don't need to describe what social media is. Uh, cause if you're listening to this, you know, I'm sure, but that's one of my favorite things to discuss and the philosophical existential implications of that for our lives. And, uh, the other thing is, well, I can't remember what the other thing was. <laughs> it's been a long night. Uh, shit. Okay, I've got it now. It's cultivating creativity. You'd think if it was my one of my favorite things to talk about, I would remember it. But yeah, I'm I'm always interested in how people go about arranging their lives so that they can be creative. They can create the space to be creative, create the environments to think deeply about things and come up with unique ways of looking at the world. And so Jason and I really 
I mean, we dove headfirst into both of those topics and spent the whole time talking about that stuff. And I sure had a lot of fun, and I think you will too. Given that it's only the third episode, I'm still going to be doing a lot of self-promotion here. I apologize. It won't last forever, okay? But it's going to last for a little while, at least while I'm running this uh, contest anyway. I've got a contest running, um, giving away a bunch of cool shit. I mean, seriously, a free year of fizzle. And if you don't know what fizzle is, go to fizzle.co, watch the video, and you will want it. Trust me. A free year of fizzle. I'm giving away a free hour of coaching. I don't know. I don't like the word coaching. It's such a douchey term. Um, As I said in the last episode, I'm calling it the JDFI session, the Just Fucking Do It session. I'm giving away a free Just Fucking Do It session with me. You can pick my brain about anything and everything you want. Podcasting, entrepreneurship, business, sponsorship, making money. Here's something you can ask me. Ask me how I was able to get thousands of dollars in sponsorship for this show before I even had a show. Before I even had an idea, I mean, I had an idea, but before I had even launched the show, I had no metrics, I had nothing. I just had an idea for a show. I was able to get thousands of dollars in sponsorship. I turned it down because that's not what I want to do with this show, but I was able to get it. So maybe that's something you want to ask me about. Whatever it is, you get a free hour with me. You also get uh, potentially a free 32 gigabyte iPad Air and I'm giving away a $100 Amazon gift card. So lots of cool stuff if you get in on the contest, which you can find out more about at avclark.com contest. And I've neglected to mention in the earlier episodes, but all the show notes and all the links and all the stuff we talk about in these shows are at avclark.com three. You can see it all there. So um, go be part of the contest. I don't know why I just threw the show note links in the middle of the contest conversation, but go check out the contest and uh, follow the steps and get in it or on it, whatever, whichever one works grammatically. Okay. The other thing I'm doing, all right, I am launching a podcasting course. Okay. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for many, many months and uh, I was trying to figure out what to say. I was about to say years. It hasn't been many, many years. It's only been a couple of years, but I'm finally doing it. It's happening. You can find out about it at avclark.com slash course. And there's not much there yet. There's just a little paragraph, some graphics and a place to put in your email address. But trust me, you want to put in your email address because a week from today, A week from now, I'll be launching the uh, more fleshed out landing page that will tell you everything you're going to get in the course and give you the opportunity to get it for a dollar. Yes, a course that will cost hundreds of dollars once it's launched, you will be able to get for a dollar. So if you have any interest at all in podcasting, and you should, because podcasting is, I think, one of one of the best marketing tools if you're a business owner and it's also one of the most fun things to do if you just have something you want to talk about or if you're an artist of some sort so go to avclark.com slash course and check it out last thing i want to ask you to do is subscribe and leave me a review that's part of the contest so you can find out about that there tell your friends about this show 
obviously, I think there's some value here in these conversations. I really enjoyed having them, but I really want people to hear them because I think I think they're going to help people in some way. And even though my intro is all about the anti-entrepreneurial show, I, I still think that these conversations are real and meaningful and they're about things that matter. And it's not just a bunch of bullshit marketing tactics so you can retire on the beach and sip whatever you sip on the beaches and send out your stupid newsletter on the weekends. It's it's real stuff. It's real fucking stuff we're talking about here that matters. Okay, people? So at least I think so. So if you think it does and you like it, then I would appreciate you helping spread the word in any way you can because uh, that helps me. And, of course, it all comes back around to me. <laughs> all right. Well, as I said a few minutes ago, uh, I, I, I'm, I consider it a pl- privilege to call Jason a friend at this point. We met through a mutual friend of ours, Paul Jarvis. And uh, Jason and Paul do a podcast together called Invisible Office Hours, which season one was incredible. And season two is going to be starting in January. You definitely want to check that out. But... We met through Paul, and I feel privileged to call him a friend, even though I haven't known him a long time yet, but he's just hes just absolutely brilliant, nice, genuine guy, and I think you're going to get that from this conversation, and I hope that you are inspired to, uh, to, to, to not, well, not really think outside the box, but find the right box. You know, to think creatively, to to build your life, to organize your life in such a way that allows you to think deeply and creatively about things. I think it'll make a big difference. So we'll be back with my conversation with Jason Surfer app after a quick word from our sponsor. One of my favorite things about less accounting is how much time it saves me. Okay, so what you do is you sign up for the app, you log in, you connect your bank account, your business bank account, and it automatically, automagically, if you will, tags all the expenses that it sees come through your business account, whether it's entertainment and meals or gas or purchases or bills or whatever Uh, there are there's they have this magic algorithm that just does all this tagging for you now it doesn't quite catch everything i have to go in about once a week and spend literally a few minutes and tag the remaining things that it, it couldn't find but the vast majority of things it just does it for me so I, I, I hate bookkeeping and I hate accounting and I don't have to do it because I use less accounting. I have, they don't pay me to say this. I've used them for years, long before I ever approached them about sponsoring this show. And the reason I did it was because I love the product so much. You would have to pay me to not use less accounting. So what I did was I, I called up a customer of less accounting and they didn't even know that I was recording or that this was going to be part of an advertisement for less accounting. And surprise, surprise, they actually had the same thing to say. Here's Jonathan. I like that it's easy to jump in and sort of tag. What's the word I'm looking for? 
the uh, the line items that come in like from from the bank um it's it's easy to jump in and either you know assign a payment to a client or you know to tag an expense as a category i can do that i probably spend all of like 10 minutes a week doing that you know like it doesn't take very long at all and i don't have to deal with it at the end of the year if i do it in little chunks like that and since it's synced up like i just kind of log in and it's there and ready to go which is nice Jonathan's one of the owners of 47media.com. You can check it out. They're a small business. And as you can hear from that clip, he's also a family man. Whatever you're using, stop using it and go check out lessaccounting.com slash TGM. They just try to help you run a better business. And I I love it. I've never had a better experience and I, I could not recommend them more highly. Less Accounting, accounting software for business owners who hate accounting. All right, folks, you ready? You ready? You ready to talk to Jason Surfer app, the guy who had the balls to ignore Seth Godin's advice and made a multi-million dollar company? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. to Chattanooga, man. We have, uh, uh, I have one, um, one gigabit up and down fiber. Dude, I have, my internet is, I pay 75 bucks a month for this crap and it's supposed to be 25 down, five gig up and it's not even close. Like it like yeah. never gets even near that. So that's just Comcast for you. I, I pay $70 a month for a thousand up and a thousand down. So it's, uh, <laughs> I pay a million dollars for all the internet to work for me at all times, Adam. <laughs> I love telling people that just to make them jealous. You know, you got your yeah. San Francisco and your nice beaches. Well, guess what I've got? All right. You know, yeah. <laughs> still I no have... one's moving here, though. I don't know why. But <laughs> yeah, What is the deal? <laughs> yeah. Come on, people. You know, the Southeast isn't that bad. You know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. you're going to. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get invited to church a bunch and probably judged for, you know, any any non-traditional lifestyle. But other than that, you know, it's it's OK. So yeah. and, the, and the weather fried sucks. Ch- I forgot about that part, too. But, you know, <laughs> fried chicken and sweet tea. If you can handle a lot of <laughs> a lot of fried chicken and sweet tea, you're good to go. <laughs> I always said one day I'm going to write um, a memoir of growing up in the South called uh, Sweet Tea and Sweet Jesus. There you go. Exactly. That'd be a good t-shirt. If you want to throw that one on Cotton Bureau, I would buy that one. <laughs> nice. Well, maybe I will. Maybe I will. There we'll see. Maybe you can, uh, maybe I can pay you a dollar to wear it. Well, actually, you're not doing that anymore, are you? Well, you could still pay me a dollar. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> we can still make that happen. <laughs> to do it. Yeah. So, uh, you, but, but you are not doing, like, the t-shirt thing is over. Is that right? Or is, is I is. wear your t-shirt, is that still... Uh, is that is that just the company name now, or what? What is what is uh, what's remaining of I wear your T-shirt? It's pretty much just in hibernation mode. Like none of my business stuff is actually like I have a parent company, which we can talk about. It's funny. It's called Really Awesome Company Incorporated. No joke. It's an S <laughs> corporation in Florida. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty much kind of dormant. I mean, I have a couple other ideas. And that's the only reason why I think the site is still up. And like, this is the crazy thing. Every month. A thousand to fifteen hundred people sign up for the email list that's like on like the catch all for that website right now. Yeah. 
that's the insane part that like there's still that many people that come to the website and like sign up and want like information about it and i just it's one of those things we can we can dive into it but like it's like the dichotomy of trying to let go versus like you know hey there's still potential to do something with it like i don't want to like miss out on that so yeah yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a little mind I, I, uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. That is always a struggle of feeling like, um, you know, there, there's no good choice because right. e- either choice carries with it some risk of, um, you know, risk and potential. And oftentimes it seems like the choices that have the greatest risks also have the greatest potential, which makes them the scariest. But it's just, uh, I, I just, I wish this whole business thing were easier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I Agreed. just didn't have to Agreed. work. I wish I could just figure I out know. a way. I wish I could figure out a way to be like be like my cat. You know, just get up and poke around, eat some food when I want. The rest of the time, I can just sleep. You know, exactly. Totally agree. <laughs> just, if anyone can figure out a way to make that work, I think you could though. So I'm a, that's my goal for 2015. I'm nice. on it. Yeah. So that that's one of the things that I I, I wanted to ask you. I actually, like most people, um, have heard your name your various names around um in the news in the last decade for the various crazy crazy marketing things that you do but um uh where the hell does all that stuff come from man you know i've listened to interviews with you i listened to one actually and um there were so many questions that i i I wanted to ask i wish it was a call-in show but it wasn't and um one of those was just like where where does this stuff come from I, i had a i had a a previous uh, conversation with a friend of mine, Justin Jackson, and we were talking about this whole concept of like, you know, are, are some people like Steve Jobs, for example, just born with a certain amount of genius slash intuition, or is it really just um, some people have a higher tolerance for uh, risk and just don't care if they're laughed at and that that makes them, you know, stumble upon more creative ideas you know, I mean, what do you think it is? Or, or you know, yeah. that's kind of like 12 questions in there, but. No, first off, I'm excited that you're going to ask all these questions that you had on a previous interview, because I think that like, you know, we I think we've talked about this off offline or off of yeah. this recording. But like, you know, there's so many questions that people want to ask that never get asked in these interviews because people always ask the same stuff. And I think that yeah. stuff's great for the foundation, but it's good to dive deeper. So <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a really interesting one. I mean, I remember when I first got started with I Wear Your Shirt, you know, I, I hadn't really had any other ideas before that. I, I was not entrepreneurial. I was not the kid that like had a lemonade stand and then sold baseball cards and then like did all these things like all the, you hear all these stories. So yeah. these like, well-known entrepreneurs. I, I didn't do any of that. Like I, I worked a couple of jobs. I sold, you know, beepers at a Verizon store when I was 16. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that was, that was 16 years ago. Um, I worked at a whole, like a, a, uh, herbal grocery store. That was like before there was whole foods and I, I was the produce boy. Yeah. Um, I pumped gas cause I lived in New Jersey at the time and like people, you, they actually like have jobs to pump gas there. So I did that when I was in high school. Are you like from I there? Had a, are you from New Jersey? I'm kind of from kind of from all over. I born in Arizona, lived in California, Virginia, New Jersey, and then Florida. Okay. Um, so yeah, and I think you know, obviously, like that's a part of my life too. That I've I've always embraced change, and whether I knew it or not, like I was kind of honing the skill of being able to be the new kid all the time and being able to embrace criticism and you know all that stuff. But you know, to answer your question, I I don't know which way I go on. I mean, I think if you would ask me a couple of years ago, I, I probably would have said. 
it's just the way that I'm wired, right? Like I just, I come up with these ideas and I think about them, but now I actually don't think it's that way. I think that, I think when you can get, when anybody, anybody can get themselves into a state where they're not worried about the criticism of other other people Mm -hmm. to a certain degree, we're all worried about it at some point because we all want to be a part of the herd and feel accepted. Um, But when you can get past that, when you don't have a lot of negative influence on your life, and that can come from a job that you hate, a relationship you're in that's not good. I mean, when I came up with the idea for I wear your shirt, I was in a perfectly good relationship. I was working at a, like I co-owned a design company. I was literally wearing fleece pants every single day. I had (laughs) no stresses. I mean, I was like, I worked out all the time. I went to the beach all the time. I literally had the the perfect life that people would all dream of as an entrepreneur. And that gave me the clarity, I think, in thinking that like my brain could just like crunch numbers and look at things and like come up with ideas. Right. And so I think when you have less stress and when you have less things detracting, you know, from your brain and, and again, I wasn't on social media when I came up with Iria shirts. So this is 2008 social media has already existed. I wasn't being pulled in the direction of like, look at this Facebook post, look at these tweets. Like my brain had so much time to think about things because really all I did all Mm, day was like check email a couple of times and that was it. And I wasn't overstimulated. I wasn't overscheduled. And so I that's, think that, that's like I, a super interesting topic, though. And I, I want to right. hear the rest of your thought, though. But I mean, just quickly, though, like if 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 uh, the world in 2008 looked like what it does today in 2014 with all the social media and the constant connectedness, do you think maybe you may not have come up with those things? I mean, do you think that that's actually um, a factor here? Absolutely. I mean, I honestly I. I used to come up with ideas like when I wear your shirt started, I think that was really like the the thing that just like ignited in my brain. And then, then it was yeah. like ideas all the time. Well, over time, like and I would say over time, like the first two years of I wear your shirt, because I started like working 10 hours a day, like filming videos, being on social media, doing this stuff like I literally like I could feel myself getting dumber. And I remember telling my <laughs> girlfriend when I was writing, I was like, I can't even think of like correct grammar sometimes. And that yeah. sounds so ridiculous. But like I'd never had a problem like worrying about like ser- seriously, I would literally go, which there am I supposed to use in this sentence? Yeah. And and that seems like such an odd thing. But it was a truthful thing that was happening. I was literally becoming like dumber and maybe not dumber, but it was overstimulation. I mean, I could not think. And so I, I, my ideas went down, you know, the quality of the ideas went down. You know, I wrote about this in my book that there were so many big companies, so many 10 to 20 big companies that came to me that wanted to pay me thousands of dollars with I your shirt. If I could just give them a creative way that we could work together mm-hmm. and I couldn't come up with the ideas yeah. because I was so, my brain was so taxed. And so you look at someone like Steve Jobs. I mean, anybody who knows the beginning of his story, mm-hmm. what stresses did Steve Jobs have? Like what, what outside influences were really holding him back? There was nothing. He yeah. had the clarity of mind to And so I think our brains are all a little bit different and his is way different than most, but like his got to use the majority of its potential to push forward because he didn't have all those things weighing on him. So I really think that anybody, and and I just, I recently did this social media detox, um, a couple months ago. Yeah. 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 How did that go? I I think I saw something about that on your blog. Yeah. It was freaking awesome. Seriously. uh, You know, as someone who's been in the trenches in social media for years, I, I, I really didn't realize how addicted I was. I mean, I knew that I checked my phone a lot and I looked at all these things, but until you say like, I'm drawing a line in the sand, I'm stepping away from this. I need to take a break because I just, I feel like something's a little bit off. Yeah. And I had, 
I mean, after I think it was the 20, 21st or 22nd day. So about three weeks into the detox and this is like no apps on my phone, didn't go to social media at all. Like I was literally dead on dead quiet on social media, not dead. Yeah. I wasn't actually dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I came up with like 12 business ideas towards the end of that month. I mean, yeah. new things, big things, like things that I'm going to be doing in, in the next year that I think are going to be really great. And they, those things, it's not like they just came to me because it was a certain time. It's because my brain, again, didn't have the overstimulation, overstimulation, didn't have all these other things pulling me in different directions. I had time to think about that stuff. So, yeah, I, it's one but of my things that... That's one of those decisions, though, that like we were mentioning in the beginning that is really scary. Like, I feel like, you know... Um, like, I really want to do that. Like, I, I think all the time, like, I, man, I wish I could just disconnect from everything because it's just driving me crazy. But I feel like it's such an integral part of how I do business now. Um, what's going to happen if I do that? Is it just all going to fall apart? And so fear is kind of one of those things that keeps me from just, just you know, kind of becoming a hermit, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and I totally relate to it. And I, I do think, so you mentioned earlier, like, you know, are some people more willing to take risks than others? I mean, I, I think that that is a true statement, both in, you know, society and how you're raised. Um, and, and for me, I'm one of those people because I did grow up that way. I did grow up taking lots of chances inadvertently that I just had to be thrown into. Like I had to be the new kid in school so many times that yeah. eventually being the new kid didn't matter to me. But like my sister, who I love to death, you know, she, she had all the same schools. She never had to change. She went through the same thing. She, you know, she built friendships. She never had to experience that feeling. If she, you know, if she had to do it, I'm sure it would have just completely like wrecked her life because it, she had a whole different upbringing in that way than I would have. Right. So just looking at that, but, um, yeah, well, it's, I, it's I think one of that, those things that could go either way though. I mean, I think there's, there's also value in, you know, forcing yourself to do some of the things that scare you because then you realize, hey, this isn't really so bad after all. And then and oh. then you become less less risk averse and less or, or more willing to put yourself out there, you know? Absolutely. And I think that like that was the one thing I was just gonna start to touch on was if you feel the resistance to something that's so strong that like I mean, you're literally convincing yourself that you can't do it. Like there's no way I can do this. And let's be realistic, like jumping off of a cliff is a little bit different, but <laughs> yeah. turning off social media for 30 days, if you're feeling a hyper resistance to that, you need it more than you know. Yeah. And I think that that's that is your your brain telling you that like, hey, I'm being clouded by all these different things that feel good, the likes and the comments and this all that stuff. But you know what? We do need a break from this. Like we do need a, a, a minute to just take a step back and recharge the batteries. And so I, I think that with anything with people who are running businesses, and so we kind of talked about IRA Shirt a little bit, you know, I I have this resistance to let go completely of IRA Shirt because in the back of my mind, I always feel like there's a potential for it to do something else, right? I mean, I, yeah. I built that brand on my own for years and I poured my blood, sweat and tears into it and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I don't want to lose it forever. Yeah. But also, at, at what point do I decide it's not serving me anymore? And luckily, I've, I've gotten to a point now where I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. You know, it sits there. It does whatever it's going to do. I'm not worried about it right now. If something comes to me, sure, I'll take advantage. But I'm, I'm not forcing myself every week to be like, what am I going to do with this? Like, this is a missed opportunity. Yeah. I'm not worried about that at the moment. But so the, the I wear your shirt thing, like that does not exist anymore as um, yeah, like you're not doing that. None of your employees are doing that. It doesn't exist as what it started out where, where you were wearing shirts for money. It's just uh, what, what is it now? 
Yeah. So when I officially retired May, uh, 2013, about a year and a half ago now, as we're recording this, um, yeah, it, it was, that was it. Uh, you know, all the employees of Iria shirt and they were independent contractors for legal purposes. Um, you know, th- that all went away. I mean, it literally became, uh, a dormant state. And so the website hmm. now, I mean, if anybody goes to it, it's an email capture website that basically builds lists on the three types of audience members that always came to the site. The people who wanted to start their own, I wear your shirt or, you know, learn how to start their own business mm-hmm. and doing something crazy, uh, potential sponsors and, you know, people that were just fans of, of the brand or, or me. Yeah. And so it's been sitting like that for a couple of years. And I mean, like I said, a thousand to 1500 people sign up for that, that those email <laughs> lists a month. I, and, I, and I, I just to, I just tried to go to the site. Keep me up at night. I just tried to go to the site and I accidentally typed iwearyourshit.com, which didn't come oh, here's up. What's, but but here's you should actually funny. register that domain. <laughs> no, I used to own it. I owned it from oh, 2009, really? <laughs> yeah, to 2013. It was one of the things that I let go. I owned like 12 variations of the domain, but iwearyourshit was one that my mom <laughs> called me about in 2009 when I first got started. She was like, "I keep typing iwearyourshit.com." I was like, "Well, here I can fix that." And I went on, purchased it, redirected the domain. So nice. she was like, "Thank you." So <laughs> that's awesome. Whenever I show my stuff to my mom. She's always like, it's really good, but why did, why did you have to say the F word or the S word? You know, <laughs> I'm like, cause sometimes mom, you just have to, you know? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so that, that, that exists more as just like, uh, you know, um, for people to sign up, you know, more, more like an audience growing, um, yeah, outpost. It's, it's interesting. I think that I can attribute, you know, there's been a couple relationships that I've built, like, you know, Rode Microphones has been someone that I've never actually worn a shirt for, but like I'm speaking on their microphones right now. I have a couple of them on my table. Mm -hmm. They sent me some, I did a review video for them. Um, You know, they're just like, it's, that came after I wear your shirt went down and like I established a relationship with them. So I've kind of left it open just for like the door is cracked for potential companies who want to maybe do something and are thinking about things and you know, nothing amazing has come along. So it's fine. Yeah. But I, I also felt like if I, if I just said I wear your shirt is no more and there was nothing at all, mm-hmm. then I would lose the potential of anything that could come, come my way um, and be seen. And you know, again, I, I wrestle with it not as much as I used to. I mean, literally every day I used to think about it. Now it's probably once a week and I'm like, man, there's, there's something there. There's something that I can still be doing. Um, but now it's just, I'm focusing on other projects because I don't want that one project to define everything that I do going forward or the rest of my life. There's so much more that I want to do and I don't want that to hold me back. Yeah. And it's just a landing page. So, I mean, it's like, it's not, it's not really, um, well, maybe there is stuff going on behind the scenes that I don't know, but it doesn't appear that there's much, uh, cost and just keeping it no. there for now. And it's, if it's, if it's getting people to sign up and it's still attracting an audience, then, um, I mean, there's certainly no reason to, to, to turn it off, you know? Actually I say no, but um, the, the email list, as, as I said, a thousand to fifteen hundred, got up to twenty thousand emails very quickly. Yeah, and I wasn't doing anything with them. I mean, managing twenty thousand emails, any email provider, that's around two hundred fifty bucks a month. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I realized without even paying much attention to it, I had spent over three thousand dollars on an email list in two thousand thirteen that I did nothing with. <laughs> yeah. So. Now I at least send like a weekly or like bi-weekly update, just letting people know thoughts on business, thoughts on starting your own thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, random t-shirts that I like. I mean, really, it's just kind of like a, hey, 
I'm still here. You know, there might be a potential of something to come along. Like I'm not trying to lead you. Like you can unsubscribe whenever you want. And I, I, I tell people straight on, like, I'm not paying people to wear t-shirts. So if that's what you're signing up for, go ahead and unsubscribe, but there might be opportunities for you to learn. And, you know, I've got a sponsorship course you can take if you really want to like start your own thing. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, so yeah, so you have all these other things, um, the course, the book, you know, you did the t-shirt thing, then you did the name thing and all, and all this stuff. So are all these various, um, you know, if uh, your personal website, do you have the, the action army that you encourage people to sign up? Are all these different lists that you're trying to manage and, you know, send people information specific to that thing or, or do they all funnel into the same thing at this point? Yeah, they're pretty much all separate. Um, I, you know, it's gotta I, be a lot of work. You know, I, I think I think when I look at my week of work nowadays, uh, I almost wonder, like, what did I do? You know, right. what did I spend time <laughs> yeah. doing? But, you know, I have these multiple lists of, of people that um, like take, for example, the Action Army thing you mentioned is for my personal website. Shameless plug. Jason does stuff dot com. Yeah. It's a weekly email that I send out every Monday. And it's it's a thought. It's an idea. It's something to help people take action with their business, their you know, creative freelance company, like whatever they're doing, it's just something that I've learned or an experience I've had or something I've found that I want to share. So I use and, and that has changed because that email list used to be like a like, hey, here's something cool going on with I wear your shirt, you know, type thing. And so I, mm-hmm. I basically just started to segment all my lists to say, okay, the action army is the entrepreneurs, the creative professionals, the small business owners, the people that I want to help inspire to do awesome stuff. Here's a weekly thing, you know, and I'll I'll help in any way that I can and provide value. And, and, you know, every once in a while I'll launch a book and hopefully that list will buy that book. Yeah. Um, you know, the other lists, I just keep them segmented now because what I've found is that, you know, like the, I wear your shirt list, it doesn't match up to a list of people who like sign up for a webinar. Like I'm not going to combine those lists just because it makes it easier for me to manage. Like I'd rather keep them super separate, know that they're very different audiences and cater the content to them. Like that's, that's the question though. Like they are very different audiences. You think? Um, as, as far as I can tell, and it, and so my other thing too, is that if someone's signing up for a specific thing, I want to give them more of that thing and not like lead them in another direction that they didn't sign up for. Like I learned my yeah. lesson. I made that mistake a couple of years ago. You know, I just kind of lumped everybody into the same list and just said like, Hey, here's this and here's that. And you know, I got compliance issues and massive. Well, so, uh, so, so, so tell me about that because that's something I'm actually very interested in is, and something I'm personally dealing with at the moment is like, in my opinion, if someone, if I were to subscribe to your, your course about, you know, sponsors and how to get sponsors for things, I feel like I would also be a good target for um, the action army. Cause if, if I'm wanting to get sponsored for something, then it's probably some sort of entrepreneurial pursuit. But I'm really interested to hear that story about how, you know, you, you compiled everything and that, that was a, you know, maybe not a failure, but it didn't work at least because um, I'm sure other people are struggling with that. I certainly am at this point. So what, how did that fail? Why did that not work? Yeah. You know, I, I think that if I call myself an internet marketer, you know, I'm, I'm different than other internet marketers where they want to build one big list and continue to grow that list and continue to nurture those people to buy other things. Yeah. Um, I'm not interested in doing that because I don't think I don't want to lump everybody into a category of just because you buy my course, I think you're going to want my weekly newsletter. I would rather you go, wow, this course was awesome. Let me go check out other stuff Jason's going on. Oh, this Action Army thing. Yeah, I want to sign up for that. Because then I know that when the Adam that signs up because he went looking for it, you're going to to want my emails. You're going to open them. You're going to care. 
But the Adam that like signed up for my course and then I like shoved him on my list is going to go, why am I getting a weekly email from this guy? Even if <laughs> yeah. it's even if it's good, valuable content, you're already psychologically thinking, I didn't I didn't sign up for this. I don't remember opting in for this. And and so I've just, you know, I've made the mistake over the years of lumping people together into big lists and getting a lot of negative feedback about it. More so not in like angry replies. There's some angry replies, but in like people marking it as spam and then MailChimp going, hey, we're going to like hold your account hostage unless you fix this. And I go, oh crap, like I know what I did wrong. I, I, someone opted in for something. I put them into one big list and I just assumed that like that would be fine with them. And, and so I really, you know, I care more that I want a much smaller list of incredibly high quality people. Uh And, and I've just realized, I mean, for myself too, I was so obsessed with the numbers of things, Twitter followers, Facebook likes, comments, email subscribers. You know, I wanted the big lists but it, it doesn't – it really does not serve you. What you need is the, the high quality, the low number list, the people who actually do things and who care and who want your messages. Like I'm – I have a segment in my uh, MailChimp account right now. I'm not, I'm not using my list. I'm like I'm taking a break for December. Mm-hmm. And in January, I'm going to cut 4,000 people off my list. And my list isn't huge. It's like 10,000 yeah. people right now. So it will go down to 6,000. But those are people who per MailChimp have not opened any of like the last 20 campaigns, which is almost half a year mm-hmm. and who have subscribed, um, you know, before January 1st of this year. So I know that they're older subscribers. They, you know, as, as far as MailChimp can tell, they don't they haven't opened one of my last 20 emails. So what is the point? Why keep them on there? Why spend yeah, you're $120 pay, you're paying for them? Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. They're not serving my list. And if anything, I'm keeping them only because of the vanity metric that, ooh, I have 10,000 email subscribers. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Like, who yeah. cares? Yeah. You know, like what what, am, what award am I winning that's making me feel good about myself that I have more email subscribers? It's such a stupid thing that we get caught up in. And, and I just I'm learning from myself that. Like I am finally coming to terms with the fact that that stuff does not matter, especially when I did something like when I launched my book, I really, I I honestly thought that I was going to sell 5,000 copies of my book in the first day. Yeah. Not because I, you know, it's an amazing book or it's the best thing ever. It's because, oh, I have all these email subscribers across these multiple lists. Yeah. It didn't happen. It wasn't even close because it wasn't, Mm. they weren't ready for it. It wasn't, they weren't like primed for it now. Now, is that because you think um, you you didn't uh, prep those people enough with emails and alerts and things like that, or just because that particular audience wasn't the audience for that book? Both. I think it's both. Um, you know, because I think I used, you know, I tried to use multiple lists to like help promote the launch of things, and it just it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the right fit for it. So you know, now that I know. For my next book, because I know I'll write another book. I don't know what it's going to be, but I plan on writing something in 2015. You know, I'm going to focus it on the idea of, you know, taking action, um, you know, how that reflects on like controlling how you use social media, not letting how social media controls you, um, you know, how you set your business up online, like all that stuff. The Action Army email list is going to be perfectly primed for that. And it's going to be trimmed down so that I know that the 50 or 60 percent of people who open those emails every week will want to buy that book because I have primed them for a year of content that relates specifically to that. And so that's really yeah. what I'm getting into. And and that just, it takes focus and it takes the the ability to say, you know what, 
I have other ideas for things, but it's not, yeah, I have this list of, of thousands of people. It's not the right list. Even if I think that it, yeah. they, a couple of them might buy it, it's not worth it because it's going to damage the integrity of it anyway. Well, you mentioned something interesting before how you said, you know, the, the typical quote internet marketer is, is trying to build a personal brand and build a big massive list and then sell them things, you know, over the course of time and that your approach was different. So um, clearly your approach is different based on what you just said, but I guess what I'm wondering is, uh, why are you doing it that way? Like, like why not do it the way a traditional internet marketer would and build a big personal brand around your name and all your products, et cetera, versus the way you're doing it? I think the easiest answer is because I can sleep at night doing it the way that I'm doing it now. And yeah. I don't think, I know that I couldn't sleep at night doing it the other way. And mostly because, I would never want, I, I know that for myself, I don't like be ending up on someone's like sales funnel in their list when yeah. I can clearly see that like, I didn't sign up to get your next thing. Yeah. I signed up for like this other thing. Like you just lumped me into this and it has, there's no correlation whatsoever. And I get it. I mean, I'm the percentage of people that aren't going to buy, that they don't care about, that they're just going to keep pushing products on and eventually I'll either unsubscribe or whatever. But to me, I would rather not treat my subscribers that way. And I would rather have them really know that I appreciate the way that I'm thinking about curating this content and, and, you know, pushing it out to them. And so that they, so that I know that they feel good about it and they're not ever going to like raise an eyebrow and go, why am I getting this? You know, this is, this isn't what I signed up for. And I don't, I don't like feeling that way. I know you probably don't like feeling that way. And and I think that that's, that's the reason why, you know, sure. I could have an email list of a hundred thousand people right now that, you know, gets a 10% open rate and yeah, that's 10,000 people. But how many of those people, the 90,000 would be angry, you know, wouldn't like the stuff that I'm doing, you know, would do that. I just, I couldn't sleep at night knowing that like I was pissing that many people off just because <laughs> yeah. I could. Well, it's, it's interesting though, because I mean, that's, that's the quote common accepted wisdom. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, believe me, I'm not at all for doing things uh, the, the way they're supposed to in quotes be done. I mean, I have been for most of my life in the last few months, last six months have been kind of a, a breaking out of that. And actually it's, it's been really good that uh, that has happened, but still, I mean, the, the, the typical, you know, wisdom for being an online business, online marketer, content marketer, whatever you want to call it is to do it that way, to amass an audience, basically, that then you can sell things to. Is there a way that you can do that and uh, not necessarily compromise your principles? Or maybe a better way to ask the question is, is this just your personal choice? And you're not saying that that trying to build a personal brand and amass a big audience that you can sell things to is inherently a bad way to go about it. It's just not for you. Or are you saying that is a bad way to go about it? Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad way. I just think that it's not the way that I prefer. And that's because I think I started to dabble in that way before and I just didn't like the way that it felt. So, you know, I, I, I think that, I think everybody should try things though, right? I think everybody should do things. If you see the way that somebody's doing something and you want to emulate it and see if it works for you, that's great. But really listen to your gut. Like, how do you feel when you're doing that? But if you don't, if at the end of the day, you're like, uh, I feel like I just like pulled one over on a bunch of people and I made a couple thousand bucks and <laughs> yeah. 
I feel kind of like a sleazeball, then don't do it anymore, you know, yeah. but at least you, you learn from the experience of, of trying something new. So, you know, that really has been a lot of what I've done this year is, you know, refocusing my email list based on some mistakes that I've made and, and just all of my email lists and how I'm, how I'm using them. I mean, I used to like hide the unsubscribe button. That's like for me, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I get emails from people who like, there is no unsubscribe button. And I'm like, you know, I probably notice it because I'm hyper aware of it because I did it before, but now I don't hide it. And a lot of my emails, it'll be the first line of the email is if you don't want to be on this list anymore, please unsubscribe. Because again, like I'm paying for them to be there. It's not any value to me if you don't want my email. So yeah, yeah, I've I've kind of done the opposite thing lately and just feeling like, um, I don't know. I've realized that when I, when I, uh, am just being myself and stop, it's very easy to look at other people and say that's successful. So I'll try that. And so I try being internet, internet marketing, Adam, and I try being, you know, in, in business inspirational, Adam, and, and none of those things ever connect. So when I'm just myself, whoever that is, um, that's when I get all the, you know, all the response and all the connection with people. So I've even sent emails lately, um, you know, very much expecting that people are going to unsubscribe because of this email, but it's just what I want to say. You know, I want to say right. it. And so I'm going to say it and I don't really care if people unsubscribe or not, you know, and maybe that's just reckless, but <laughs> it's, uh, no, I, it's, I think that's, I think that's absolutely how you should do it. And I, I think that so much of what I tried to do in the past year and a half was like, find my passion, find yeah. my purpose. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I wanted this, I wanted this direction for myself and this, this one thing that like, Oh, I was so good at, but that's the thing. I'm not that way. I'm not good at one thing. I'm good at a lot of random stuff yeah. and maybe I'm just okay at a lot of random stuff, but it all cobbles together. And, and that's why like my personal website is Jason does stuff. Yeah. I'm sure it could be some weird term that has to do with marketing or whatever or entrepreneurship or anything else, but that doesn't describe it well enough for me. For me, it's like, I just do a bunch of stuff. So that's what I'm going to go with. And I'm not going to worry about how all these things thread together perfectly because that's kind of what everybody tells us. Like, Oh, you need your, your thing and you need your niche and you got to do it. And okay. I totally agree with that. And I I've even said it in my book that it's very helpful to have your own niche, but for some people, you may not find that niche for 10 years. You may just have to keep trying different things until all of a sudden something pops up and you go, that's the thing I really like doing. That's the way that I really like doing it. And then you just turn that switch on full throttle. And if it leaves everybody behind that you, you know, you had worked to get a subscriber before or whatever, then that's fine. You start at ground zero and then you work your way up based on the thing that you're really passionate about, what you're really excited about. And then, then you start winning because it, everything aligns properly. That, that is one thing I would say has been the biggest struggle is because all the advice, all the courses you take, you know, whoever you listen to, it's always, you know, niche, niche, niche down, very specific, find the one thing that you are here on planet earth to do and make it all about that. And that I've found that so paralyzing because I try to, you know, redesign my site or whatever and, and try to write some headline that's ultra specific to a specific audience and I just can't do it because I'm just not all about that one thing and I'm never going to be all about that one thing and so it's it's so hard to to do it but yet I feel like I've got to do it somehow because this is what everyone says you got to do you know but I guess I guess you're an example of of not having to do that so so for you all these when you try these new things you just launch new sites new brands new lists new everything for um, a new idea new company new book new project whatever yeah, absolutely. Like I, 
I've started this, um, you know, online course platform that's going to be my big focus in 2015 called Teachery, and it's not publicly out yet. And and I'm not going to use my personal list to like make a huge announcement. I'm going to build. I started a, a separate list. There's 140 people that are subscribed to the pre-launch. Like mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with that because number one, we're not ready for marketing. You know, we're building a SaaS product from absolutely nothing, and we're bootstrapping it along the way. So it's going to take a while, and I'm okay with that. And I want to really follow like the lean startup method because I've just bought on board with that over the past two years that that really works, right? The iteration, the testing, the, you know, creating a minimum viable product. This is not bullshit. This is how you build a business in the digital age. This is, you know, like you don't need to be on Facebook and Twitter to grow a business. And I'm, I'm someone who was on Facebook and Twitter every single day for five years straight. And I found a way to monetize social media in a way that no one was doing it. And that was great. That served me for a certain period of time. But like, I, I don't need that for this business that I'm building. And my point is that I shouldn't try and align everything together so that it all fits perfectly, be, perfectly because these are separate entities. These are separate projects. These are separate audiences. These are separate ideas. They don't all have to fit perfectly together. And okay, I'm sure that if some of them were a little bit more aligned better, the, the, the audience, you know, kind of overflow mm-hmm. might have some help. But I can do it another way. Like we all built businesses before social media existed, before the internet yeah. existed. Well, maybe we all didn't build business, but people did. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it can still be done. It, you know, there's just, there's a lot of other things that go into it. A lot of other, you know, kind of thoughts and principles um, to building a business now that I'm really focusing on because I don't, I don't want to use these crutches. I don't want to feel like I'm so attached to having to do things a certain way because either it works for other people or that's the way that I've always done it. Yeah. Well, so the question that comes to my mind then is, you know, well, first of all, that's that's super encouraging to people like me who have just always been interested in many, many different things. You know, it's almost like, um, you know, I envy people who um, really only have one or two interests because I'm one of those guys that. I could pretty much just throw a stick in any direction and figure out a way to make that work, you know, and be fairly yeah. happy doing it. So what but what that causes is this kind of uh, paralyzation of choice because you, you'd never know which which direction to throw the stick because you could be reasonably happy doing any of them. So which which one are you going to be the most happy doing, you know, and you have to just eventually pick one of them and do it. But so it, it's really encouraging that, you know, you're saying you don't have to be one specific thing for one specific market to be successful. But the the question I have is like, how do you manage all that? Like I said, you've got all these different things going and different lists and you write for different things. And, you know, how do you manage to move all these balls forward when you have so many of them? It's a good question. You know, I think I think part of it and I love your metaphor of like throwing the stick in different directions is that I throw the stick. And I think that's where I'm different from so many other people is that there are a lot of people who hold the stick and stare at all the different directions and don't (laughs) know where to throw it. But I'm the one who's like, ooh, I like that one. And I throw it and I just go. And that's like, again, that's the whole point of like the action army is getting people to realize just take some action. And if it fails miserably, what did you learn from that? How can you move forward and not repeat those mistakes and then try again, right? Yeah. You're not going to get it right the first time around. It's not going to be perfect. Be okay with that. Embrace that and start small, iterate, change, get feedback from people. If people tell you it's not going to work, if you still believe in it, don't listen to them. If you kind of feel like it's not going to work too, then you know, listen to your gut and move on to something else. Throw the stick in a different direction. Yeah. And that's that's really what it boils down to. You know, and the other thing for me is that um, you know, I look at I look at things 
kind of in two ways with businesses and it's, it's the preparation and then it's the effort that goes into it. And so, you know, with every business that I start, it's not like I just throw the stick and then I run after it and I'm like, Oh crap, what am I going to do? It's that (laughs) even before I throw it, I go, okay, why am I building this thing? Why am I doing this thing? Is this a need that I'm solving for myself or just for other people? Can I validate it with like a couple friends? Like, do they think it's any good? You know, am I seeing a lot of people talk about this? Is it a problem that other people are having? Okay, great. Um, now, how can I make this thing happen? You know, what's it going to take for me to do it? How much financial investment? How much time? You know, can I fit it in my schedule? Am I really excited about it? And then if all those things kind of line up and and really I write these things down, like I write these lists down, I answer these questions with every project before it even comes close to starting, then I throw the stick, right? And then it becomes the, okay, now I have to put in the effort to make it happen. And maybe if we keep this metaphor going, now I'm like the dog trying to find the stick. It's like, I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm looking for it. Like I'm, I'm over in this wrong direction. I'm, I'm in a pond swimming around, like doing nothing that's of worth, but I've learned like, Oh, Hey, don't go back in the pond or what led me there is not a good thing. Man, this metaphor is getting out of control. Um, (laughs) but I think you get it. I mean, I think that, I think that that's a great way to look at it because it really lets you understand that that's the reason it works for me. And that's the reason I'm able to do so many things is because I prepare and I I do a lot of things ahead of time to circumnavigate the chances of something not being of any value. And then I'm willing to put in the effort to get past the tough stages or when people don't believe in it or when people don't think it's going to work or when I'm not getting immediate, um, you know, sales or whatever to say like, no, but I believe in this thing enough and I see the value in it enough that I'm going to keep going forward and I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, one of the things is, is how do you, um, where do you, where do you draw the line between feeling like, you know, something in your gut, like this is something I have to do. Uh, like, cause for example, I, I don't know what the response was when you first had the idea for the t-shirt, um, or the, the, the name change thing. But I imagine that you must've had some people tell you that's stupid and that's never going to work. You know, almost um, all of them. Okay, yeah, exactly. But you did it anyway. So, um, and yet, there's still, you know, idea validation is still a valid concept. So, like, where do you? I don't know. Where where do you draw the line between um, everyone saying this is not going to work, but I just know it is? Like, do I guess maybe it just comes with uh, experience of of knowing that you have good ideas? I don't know. Well, no. I mean, I think if we go back to Irish, sure. Like, I didn't have any ideas before that, so that was like. The first big one that I just said, ooh, I really want to make this happen. And so I, you know, I emailed a bunch of friends about it and then they all told me I was crazy and it would never work and it was stupid. And I should go back to like my really comfortable life that I had. And I was like, yeah, but like I really feel like there's something here. Like I can't stop thinking about this. And and so I kind of do this exercise with myself where when an idea first comes to me, I mean, I'll immediately write it down because I feel like no matter where I am, like I have a notepad in the shower, I have journals, I have Google Docs that have ideas like everywhere. I email them to myself, put them on notes, anything. Whenever I have an idea, I write it down. And then what I really try and do is not think about it for a week. Like I try and walk away from it for a week. And if I can feel myself, like if I can't stop thinking about that idea, mm-hmm. then I know that, okay, I need to, I need to start doing some preparation for this, right? Like I said, yeah. I need to start thinking about this and start working on it. And, you know, and then, so then I start to do the validation thing. Cause we all want to like, you know, you need to prepare and you need to validate your ideas. And, you know, if something like I wear your shirt, I knew that I wanted it more than I cared what people thought of it. Yeah. So no matter what people told me, and like I emailed Seth Godin and he was like, I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. And I could have easily been like, <laughs> wow. this is someone yeah. I look up to. This is like the marketing guy. And I could have said, you know, and I did. I, as soon as I got his email back, I was like, oh, wow, I should probably just give up. 
And yeah. I said, wait a second. This is one person, also one person who had 900 publishers tell him no, that he couldn't, you know, have a book deal and then yeah. he got his first book deal. So, you know, it's, you have to just, if you really want that thing more than people can tell you that you shouldn't do it, then you run forward with it. But if you, if people are telling you no, and you're also like, yeah, I didn't think it was really going to work either, or I didn't really believe in it, or I'm not really that excited about it, then I think that's how you kind of draw the line in the sand to say, yes, I'm going forward, or no, I'm not. Yeah. So basically, if, if you can be talked out of it, then be talked out of it, you know? Exactly. <laughs> if you can't, and, then and, go for it. And also, like, who's, who's talking you out of it, too? I think that's the other thing that people don't, they don't get deep enough into it when, like, you know, your crazy uncle tells you it's a bad idea. Well, what has he done with his life? You know, like his, has he just, you know, worked at the post office for 30 years and he hates his existence and has never created anything? Not someone to take advice from, you know, or if it's like your cousin who's launched two startups and lives in San Francisco and you're trying to build a SaaS product and he's like, "Mm, I'd tread lightly here. Then you go, Hey, you know what? That's a good guy to take the advice from. I wasn't feeling like it's possible. So you really have to see like, where is it coming from? Do you trust these people? Um, and that's one thing that I have. I have a trust circle of, uh, you know, eight to 10 people and it kind of changes every once in a while. They're not friends and family. They're more acquaintances that I've met over the years and mm-hmm. that I can send an email to and I know that they'll respond. And I say, Hey, here's this new crazy idea I have. What do you think? And they'll give me honest feedback. They're not going to sugarcoat it cause they don't care. Yeah. And you know, I can kind of start there. And even if they say no, I can then gauge that on my own scale and, and decide if I want to keep going forward. Yeah, no, that, that makes, that makes total sense. So, so like back in the beginning, you know, like like we started talking about, I wanted to know kind of like just where where this came from because like when I think about you, I think of you as like the crazy marketing guy. Like you just you just have really like you come up with very interesting ways to to do marketing and as you said, companies were even, you know, trying to pay you to do that for them and there was a period where you just couldn't think of anything. So, I mean, is that what you do? Like, how would you describe what you do now? I mean, it's almost just like, as you said, Jason does stuff. I mean, you just be Jason and that's yeah. it's like, that's your job. My job is just to be me and it's and interesting stuff's going to happen basically. Or do you have, is no. there some sort of method? I mean, do you, do you have practices to try to cultivate this, you know, this extreme amount of creativity you seem to have? You know, yeah, I'll uh, I think there's two good questions there. And so I'll kind of I'll pick the one that. So let's let's remember keyword how to cult- uh, cultivate creativity. And then we'll so we'll come back to that one. So okay. um, what do you do? This is a really interesting one for me, because obviously, even when I was doing I Wear Your Shirt, it's a very weird business to explain to people. And yeah. no one understood it when I told them. So, you know, eventually, if it was like I'm sitting next to someone on a plane and I'm probably never going to see that human being again, I just go, I do online marketing. And then they go, oh, that's a thing I've heard of. OK, cool. Let's move on to something else. Right. That's the end of the discussion. You know, my girlfriend would always hit me and she's like, you do so much more than I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> um, yeah. But for someone who's interested, I'd be like, yeah, I, I, I started this kind of social media advertising marketing marketing company, you know, and that's how I would explain it. Nowadays, it's really weird because that was, that was weird, but at least people could wrap their head around it once I explained it. Now I, I just say I do weird things on the internet because yeah. for the majority of people out there, because we, we live in a very small bubble, you, myself, everybody that's really kind of 
on board with Twitter and building products and, you know, on Facebook and, you know, yeah. has email lists and stuff like that. Like we're a very, very, very small bubble. And I don't think we realize it that people don't, they don't get that. They have yeah. no clue how that stuff works. And so I just say, I do weird things on the internet. And people are like, oh, like what? And I'll be like, well, I wore shirts for a living. I sold my last name. I wrote the first ever sponsored book. I've got this online learning platform. And by the time I get to that, they're so checked out because they can't even understand <laughs> it or fathom it that they just don't even want to know more. So you're so, it's it's, very, it, you're so right though. Cause like I, I ordered your book um, after that interview I heard with you. And I was showing it to my mom and I, I kind of explained it. I was like, this guy, like he, you know, he, he wore t-shirts for a living and I was trying to explain how you made money doing that. And then he sold his last name and then he like got every, people to sponsor every page of this book. And she just had this look on her face the whole time. Like, <laughs> I don't understand anything you're saying. And I'm like, it's yeah. no, it's, it's genius. Like, think about it. Like, think uh, like this adds up. This is, and she's just like, I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a generational no, thing too, but. Yeah, it is. And and I think that I think what we don't even realize too with those of us who are in the bubble, this has only been around for such a short period of time and the rate at which it's changing, like I've said this well, I think for a year and a half now. So, I only have about 3 years left in this this call, but I don't think Facebook <laughs> is going to be relevant in a couple of years. Yeah. I don't. I mean, they're they're a multi-billion dollar company. They have a billion users or whatever the crazy number is now. A seventh of the planet is on Facebook. But I think that there will be another thing. Like MySpace looked like it was never going to be taken over by anything. Look what happened. Oh, yeah. You know, AOL looked like it was going to be the online platform forever. Look what happened. Like these things are all cyclical. And yeah, Microsoft, Google. I mean, yeah, it, it happens. You know, once the, you know, sort of, you know, once the the underdog, the sort of allure wears off, like you said, and, and, and the underdog becomes the, I don't know what the opposite is, the overdog, but, <laughs> you know, yeah, once sure. that happens, then they're vulnerable again, you know? I yeah. mean, yeah, and you look at, like, I have so many friends who are, you know, just quitting Facebook. Like, it's it's a common yeah. it's a common thing because it's not, it's not, it's it's become more of a pain in the ass than it's worth at this point. You know, so this that that is the perfect segue into the creating or cultivating creativity. So yeah. <laughs> um, as we talked about before, you know, I, I really try and remove negativity from my life. And I'm very intentional about that now. So I rarely and I, I mean, especially after this detox, but even in the past couple months, I don't check the news feed of Facebook anymore. Yeah. I don't check the news feed of Twitter anymore because even if I segment my list down to like my favorite people, and even if it's 20 people that I'm really close to, someone is going to complain about Obama. Someone is going right. to complain about something that's going on in the world. Someone is going to have an opinion about something that is going to affect me in a way that I can't quantify when I first read it. And that ripple effect completely kills creativity. And it sits in your brain. And that that pessimism, that negativity, it, it literally shreds through creative thinking. I know it does because I've, I've seen it firsthand with myself. And especially when I got on the social media detox, my brain literally blossomed like a beautiful flower, Adam. <laughs> I mean, I just, how many ideas that I had that just flowed out of my brain when I removed myself from those situations. And I, I really firmly believe that social media is the next addiction. It's the next cigarette. It's the next alcohol. Totally. Yeah. It, it, we are literally going to have 
an entire economy of social media therapists and doctors and people trying to wean people off of this stuff. And it's not just Facebook and Twitter. It's Snapchat and it's our phones and it's everything. And we don't we just don't realize it because it's so new. It's only been around for a while. Like when cigarettes first came out, it wasn't like the Surgeon General said, hey, we're you know, cigarettes are just getting announced. By the way, they cause cancer. That didn't happen for 30 or 40 years afterwards. You know, we're yeah. in the same time frame with social media. And I think people listening to this might go, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Social media <laughs> doesn't do that to you. I don't think people understand the dopamine responses that occur when you, you know, check your likes all the time or when you post something and refresh it every single day or when you're scrolling yeah. through your activity feed and you realize, holy shit, I was just on Facebook for three hours. I did nothing. Like, yeah, I got no, stuck. It's, I, I think about just like I try to, you know, we're about the same age. So we remember the 80s. We, I mean, I'm sure you had a cell phone back when, you know, your plan consisted of 30 minutes and it cost $100 a month. And um, it was I this giant brick. Yeah, exactly. I sold those plans. I worked at Verizon. Yeah. But so I, I think back to those times. I think back to, you know, when I was I was still a teenager, but I had a full time job. I was essentially, you know, working on, you know, I was an adult, essentially. And. Um, the, the, let alone social media. I mean, the internet barely existed or worked and there was no texting. I mean, if you, you know, if you called someone and, and they, they may have had a cell phone, you might have had a beeper, but, but the point is, is that you, you couldn't get a hold of anyone anytime you wanted. There wasn't this constant connectedness. I think back then and I'm like, what did I do with all my time? You know, because that's part of it is like what you're saying is it takes me hours a day to get through just all the responses to all the various channels between Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and email and Slack and, you know, texts and all these different things. It's just this constant barrage of communication. And I'm not talking about just like the news feed of stuff. I'm talking about people like getting in touch with you. And it's like, yeah, it's, you know, I have so many times wanted to just disconnect from it all. But, you know, it's a big it's a big fear because it's like my my whole world is on the Internet. So it's like, how do I really get out of it? But, you know, so, for example, for you, like, what do you do now with like that time? Like, I think I'm a typically I think I'm a probably a normal person that when I get up in the morning and go to the bathroom or whatever, you know, pretty much the first thing is I check, you know, my emails, I check Twitter, I check Facebook, you know, I, I, I check anything that's got a little red dot on it, basically on my phone. Yep. So, you know, if you're intentionally not doing those things, like, what do you do with that time? So I think, you know, I need to write a, a blog post about this, because I've mentioned this multiple times. I think the first five to 15 minutes of your day are the most important of your day. And I think that for me, that's when the most creative stuff happens and not necessarily in the ideas that come to me, but in like starting the engine for the creative ideas. Yeah. Um, so like I'm, I'm like everybody else, my phone sits next, sits next to me on the bed. You know, I have do not disturb set up. So I don't like hear buzzing all night long. Um, but I, I start my day off by not looking at a single red dot or notification. I don't have Facebook or Twitter on my phone, which makes it very easy because, you know, after the detox, I realized I don't need those on my phone. I can get them from my computer. Nothing is that urgent that I need them on there and that they were just completely distracting me and and creating negativity and all this stuff. So that's a great place to start. The second thing. So when I open my phone, I know that email's there, but I am very intentional to go. I'm not going to look at that for 15 minutes. If I just slept for 15 minutes more, I wouldn't have missed anything. So it's okay for me not to look at it. So instead, 
I open up Instagram and I scroll through a beautiful curated feed of landscapes and puppies and attractive people (laughs) and cars because I've curated that list, right? I mean, very rarely is Instagram putting in a photo of an advertisement. And even when they are, usually it's a nice looking photo. So I'm not going to see anything negative. It's not going to start my day off with anything bad. And if anything, I'm looking at stuff that only makes me feel good. So yeah. Uh, you know, I do that for five or 10 minutes, you know, whatever it takes me to get up out of bed. And then I walk into my kitchen and I make coffee. And sometimes I do it on Chemex if I'm feeling like a hipster, or sometimes I put it in an automatic coffee maker. Sorry for all the hipster (laughs) coffee people out there. Yeah. And, and I, I make a pot of coffee and while the coffee is brewing, I read Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. And I kid you not, that has been my ritual for the past three or four months. And because Calvin Hobbes for me is like my safe place. When I was a little kid, I grew up with it. It has always given me a sense of, of calm and happiness, and I smile no matter what I do. So <laughs> find your Calvin and Hobbes, right? Whatever your thing is that you start your day with. And if you say like, oh, I don't have time to stand around and do that, wake up 15 minutes earlier. You, yeah. you can find the time to do it. But intentionally start your day with something that makes you happy because then even when I go and sit down to my email after the coffee's done and I'm ready to start my day, and, and then I look at you know my email for an hour and I go, oh, crap, there's some stuff I have to do and there's some fires I have to put out. I've at least started off on a better foot, then that's the first thing that I see and it sets sure. the tone for the rest of the day. Um, and I just noticed a huge change in my, like the way that I feel, the way that I'm thinking about things, you know, I'm very resistant to checking Facebook and Twitter more than two times a day, like mm-hmm. once in the morning, maybe once in the afternoon. Sometimes I don't check it at all. I don't worry about posting stuff anymore. I mean, I used to stare at empty statuses on both platforms thinking, what could I post that would get likes? Yeah. And we all do it. We're all guilty. Yeah, totally. What photo can I take perfectly? And and now I'm like, I don't need that. Like, if that doesn't exist, if I don't do that, life will go on. I can still make money. I can still be happy. I can still find other things. I don't have to have that in my life. And so that's really, I mean, it sounds silly that Instagram, coffee, and Calvin and Hobbes, but that's that for me is like my happy place every morning. That's my meditation. <laughs> that's my getting things started. Well, do you think that you have the luxury of, you know, this is one of those, well, that's fine for Jason kind of comments, but um, do you think you have the luxury of doing that because um, you have been successful at this point, you know, your your finances are kind of taken care of and you you don't have to, if you just disconnected from Twitter and Facebook altogether, things would, the, the engine would still keep rolling. Or do you think not? Do you think someone just starting out trying to build a product or build a business um, in, in an online uh, content kind of way um, can do that too? No, I mean, so here's the thing. I, I don't think I'm afforded any luxury and I don't think that I'm lucky. I think that I yeah. have earned everything that I've gotten through preparation, hard work, taking risks, messing up, spending thousands of dollars in the wrong places, you know, getting Mm -hmm. into debt. I mean, I I racked up over $100,000 in business debt because I had to float the company. I made some decisions on, you know, trying to promote some things or sponsor some things that didn't work out. And I had to deal with the consequences of that. And it really hung over my head until I realized, like, okay, I, I, I have this debt, but it can go away. I can pay it off. It's fine. I didn't just buy a bunch of luxurious things and, and whatever, but I've been very intentional about realizing like where these things have come from and how to deal with them. And so even as it, uh, you know, the way that I run my day or the way that I, I don't take phone calls on Monday or Fridays typically, it's, be, it's not because I have the luxury of doing that. It's because I am intentional about saying I, I don't want that to be the way that I do things yeah. and that I work harder on other days or I make other things happen so that I can do that. And 
you know, I, I, I've had people all, you know, over the years say, oh, you know, you're lucky for the way that you, you know, the lifestyle that you have. No, I'm not. I, I got into debt because of this lifestyle. I had, you know, I was slightly depressed. I got overweight. Like I've had a lot of like negative things happen that people don't necessarily see because they, they don't look at the whole picture. They look at like the, oh, well, you know, started this t-shirt company, had, was successful, like blah, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah. Well, I mean, maybe luxury was the wrong word. I didn't mean that to no, imply that like, you know, you didn't work hard for where you are. I guess I'm saying if you were on a, a coaching call with, with someone who, you know, where you were back in 2008, who just has some ideas, but they haven't made any money yet. They're just, you know, it's all fresh and new, you know, are, are, are you, would you still recommend to them the, you know, get off social media, don't pay any attention to that stuff? Or, or do you feel like that that that's necessary in the beginning, but it's not necessary for you anymore. I mean, does that make sense? What I'm asking? Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> and and I do. So you know, I do consulting calls and speaking and this type of stuff about this. And and I often tell people, it doesn't matter where you are. I don't think anyone needs to be on social media to build a business. Yeah. And if it does serve you and it does bring dollar signs to your bank account and you can quantify those, then great. Be on it all day long. Spend all your time on it. If it makes you happy, that's awesome. But if it doesn't, then it's a distraction to creating a better lifestyle for yourself where you can afford to have certain luxuries, right? Like, yeah. it, and it's, it's just anything. It's not just social media. It's watching TV. It's playing video games. It's yeah, yeah. anything that distracts you from, you know, building, you know, your own level of success and whatever that means for you. And so I think that the more people can learn from, you know, I'm only at where I am right now, six years after I had my first entrepreneurial idea. I want people to be where I am right now when they get started, because now they can have the six years of experience that I've had, they can skip all of that. And they can say, okay, I start my day with intention. I do something that makes me happy. I don't get distracted by stuff. I only make certain times throughout the day when I check social media, I close emails. So I'm not staring at it all day, like waiting for the next email to come in. Like I, I put my head down and I focus on stuff and okay, so maybe you have a, you can't afford to do that because your side company or whatever you're building doesn't make you enough money. You have to work at a full-time job. Then, all right, your time that you have to segment becomes when you come home and yeah. you have to spend time with your family, you have to spend time taking care of your health, and you say, okay, I could watch three hours of Lost on repeat or <laughs> I could watch one hour of Lost and then I could put my head down for two hours and I could try and build the next phase of the thing that's going to get me out of the nine-to-five job that I'm in because you want something better for yourself or you want a different lifestyle. Totally. Yeah. Well, so to kind of bring it all the way back around, like I said, I was, I was very curious just like how you came up with these ideas and like what it was about your personality, you know, that whole, like I said, you know, are people just born with, with this kind of thing or is it something people can learn to, uh, um, be, uh, more of a risk taker, have a higher tolerance for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, when you first had the idea for the shirt thing and, you know, all the ideas that have come since then, you know, it, like I said, it leads me to think, man, what was this guy's childhood like? You know, like, you know, was he a normal guy? Like, I, I would tend to think like you would have had to have been kind of extraordinary. But what you're saying is that, no, I mean, there's nothing different about you than anyone else. You know, you've just intentionally intentionally basically intentionally um said no to a number of things to allow yourself to i mean it gets back to that cultivating creativity you know you you've you've decided to cut certain things out that maybe some people aren't willing to so that you can have the just the mental bandwidth to to think clearly 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, uh, childhood stuff. I mean, I think that they're, I mean, absolutely 99% of, I think my childhood is normal compared to other children. I think that there were a few glimpses that my mom had that I was, I was, at least I thought differently, or I looked at the world slightly differently. And that, you know, she told me a story of when I was in like the eighth grade or something in algebra, I, I couldn't show my work on the way I got a problem right, but I got the problem right. And the teacher, you know, failed me because I couldn't show my work. And my mom was like, I don't understand. He got the problem right. He just didn't do it the way that you wanted him to do it, but right. he still got to the right answer. And she's like, well, that's not how it should be done. <laughs> yeah. and, and and like that is such a, you know, a, a statement about our education and that type of stuff. And that, you know, we don't even let kids think in a way that like their brains work, we force them to think in this certain way. And so, you know, luckily I had a mom who was very accepting of the way that I looked at the world. And, you know, this little creative kid who was always reading comic books and was, you know, do, you know, I wasn't really into sports until like the middle of high school. And I looked yeah. like I could be an athlete. I'm mean, six foot five, I'm a big guy, but, um, I wasn't really into that stuff. I was just a creative little kid and my mom empowered that, you know, she didn't ever tell me you can't do this. You, you can't create you know, whatever you want. She just said, go for it, you know, do the things yeah. that you're going to do. But along the way, you know, you need to go to college so you can have a backup plan. Like I did have to do that. But, um, yeah, it, it's just, I think that we all get told no at some point in our life. And luckily I wasn't told no at the right time where it slowed me down from doing yeah. stuff. Well, so one last thing I wanted to ask you is in this whole cultivating creativity thing. So all that sounds really great. Like the, how you kind of describe your day, but how would you say that that translates to, uh, cultivating creativity because um, just you know so maybe I decide tomorrow I'm, I'm gonna do what you do I don't know that necessarily you know if I do a detox that suddenly I'm gonna have the next big uh, marketing idea so it's like I feel like there's probably other things in there I don't know um, in, in your answer to that um, uh, you said you intentionally like remove negative things from your life and is that really just the big the big piece for you um, or, or are there other other things that um, that help you cultivate this creativity besides just like detoxing from social media and, and removing negativity from your life? Yeah, I think I think that goes two ways. I think the first is that, you know, again, I think everyone should try and, and, and take a detox, whether it's from technology or from social media or from TV or, you know, whatever it is, is something that like you rely on and that you, you feel like you resist letting go of that doesn't necessarily completely serve you in a way that like matters for 30 days. This is just 30 days. This is not the rest of your life, right? You can always come yeah. back to it, but give yourself a chance to say, what happens when I just, I, I, I set myself up to say, I'm not going to do this thing for 30 days. And what comes out of it? It may not be the next big marketing idea, but what if you all of a sudden realize like, holy crap, I'm sleeping better. Like yeah. I haven't, I haven't slept well in years. Like now I'm sleeping better. Wow. This is, this is uh, the only thing I've changed in my life is that I'm not on this thing or I've, I've detoxed from this thing. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that itself leads to, I think a lot of really great things. And, you know, the other thing for me is that I never read books and I think that that stemmed from as a child, we all were forced to read stupid mandatory reading lists. Yeah. And then we had to write a stupid mandatory book report about them that was just dumb. And it, it, it did nothing for us. And so I think I held on to that baggage mentally and I never wanted to read books because I, I really thought they were all going to suck and be stupid. And then I started to actually read books that people recommended to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are enlightening. Like as I'm yeah. reading these books, as I'm reading other people's stories, and I mostly read nonfiction, I've just now started to read a couple fiction things, like very few 
The Circle is an amazing fiction book. If anybody out there wants to really like read a book when you're on a social media detox, that's one to read. Um, <laughs> cool. But it, it, reading those books really has enlightened me because it's not necessarily so much that I'm reading something that's like, oh my gosh, like that's amazing. I want to do that. It's I'm reading something and my brain is going, oh, hey, we could probably do this with this project we're working on based on what we just read. Yeah. And so it's a way for me to like that, you know, cultivating creativity thing. It happens when I'm, you know, experiencing other things that are going to bring me value that I can learn from. And it's, it's something that like, you know, it's a book, it's a story, it's something I can get through and finish and I'm not going to be distracted by anything else. And so I've, I found a lot of like really helpful um, you know, creativity, enlightening things come from reading books of other successful people more for my stuff. Like not even necessarily that I learned something from them and I'm applying. It just, I get inspired from my own idea from reading it. Yeah. And so, man, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation, but so, um, what, one, so basically, uh, one of the ways that you, as you said, if you were, if, if the world as it is now was, uh, existed in 2008, it, it very, probably would have hindered your ability to create what you created but you're essentially sort of trying to return to that world by removing these things you know to to allow your creativity to you know blossom as you said so um you know so do you think that um some of these you know crazy ideas that you've had are these things that other people can do or or are they just kind of like you know what I mean? Like uh, it's been done, you know, like some of your stuff is so unique that part of the real value of it is that uniqueness. You know, you were the first one to do that. Could someone else do an I wear your shirt thing now and, and make a success of it? Because when you did it, it was just no one had thought of that. You know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? Uh, yeah, I, I think the short answer is a thousand percent. Yes, I believe that anybody could create I wear your shirt and recreate it and do it and make it successful. The long answer is it would take a hell of a lot of work. They would really need to, you know, dig in and put in a lot of effort and, you know, do a lot of outreach and do a lot of sales and do a lot of things. But it could totally be done. I mean, someone, you know, I sold my last name for two years in a row and I made over $100,000 doing it. I bet someone could probably make more money than that if they made a plan, like, you know, came up with a creative angle on it put their own last name up, had some unique thing that was, you know, that was just maybe a little bit different or a twist to it. Mm -hmm. And then they just work their ass off to get companies to see it and see the value of it. Sure. Absolutely. Do I think anybody in the world will do that? No. Right. I don't. I don't, I don't think anybody is willing to do it because they're not sure that they, you know, that the juice is going to be worth the squeeze if they do it. And I think that's why I've been the only person who, you know, has gotten paid to wear t-shirts for a living for multiple years in a row and (laughs) sold my last name and, you know, done the fully sponsored book. I mean, very quickly, the book, I mean, there were 204 sponsors in the book. I had to send over 2000 emails to make those sponsorships happen. Wow. And that was even responding to people who said, I want to buy a page. How do I do it? I mean, like I had to walk people through because they'd never seen this done before. So how to do it. So it's that I'm just willing to, again, the effort thing, the preparation effort thing we talk about. I think someone could totally repeat these things. I think someone could get inspired by what I've done and say, "Ooh, I could apply something of this to my business." And I, I hope people do. I, I would love for people to take what they've learned and and be inspired and you know come up with their own creative ideas that were. I only got inspired from other things. So, you know, if it leads someone else to do something amazing, that's awesome. I'm very, you know, excited for that. Well, I just think that's the key. Like what you just said is that, you know, you often uh, people will look at someone like you and go, man, that guy's just super creative. And they don't realize that 
there's just so much hard work involved in, in making anything a success. And actually that works to the advantage of, of people like you and us and people in this industry, because most people, as you just said, um, are not going to attempt it because uh, there is no formula. You know, there is no, you know, three steps right. to success because it is so hard. You know, they're not going to go for it. And so the people that are willing to take that risk and go for it and do the hard work are, are going to have a greater chance at succeeding with it. Yep, I totally agree. And I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I've come to learn about myself is, and just in all my projects is if I only put in part-time effort, I'm only going to get part-time results. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, if you want to grow a business to be a multi-million dollar business, you're not going to do it in your sleep. You're not going to do it with some get rich quick scheme. You're going to have to put in a lot of hours. You're going to have to put in a lot of trial and error. And yeah, you can absolutely get there, but it's probably not going to happen just with like a reading a 22 steps to becoming a millionaire blog post on Buzzfeed. <laughs> Sorry. You know? Yeah, totally. I mean, I wish sometimes I wish it was that easy, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Hey, I totally do. <laughs> so, uh, you mentioned your, uh, you mentioned teachery, some stuff like that. Um, are, are, is that the main thing that you're, you're focusing on next year or is it, is it stuff that you, you don't want to kind of talk about at the moment or, um, what's, you know, kind of what's, what's next for you? Yeah, no, I'm doing a bunch of stuff next year. Um, you know, I've, I've got, I do a, a good bit of public speaking. Um, and I have even before the book was out, just kind of telling my story and inspiring people to hopefully think creatively and outside the box and, and do their own thing. Um, so that's, that'll take up, you know, I'll probably do one or two gigs a month next year. And so that takes up a good amount of time. I mean, traveling to places and speaking and, and I get paid to speak, which is awesome now. I mean, I've been able to build that up over the years from, you know, me paying for flights to go to speak places to now I don't do any unpaid stuff, which is just, you know, it's now a great thing that I can do. But yeah, um, yeah I, uh, I, I want to write another book. Uh, I'm hopeful that that'll happen sometime next year. You know, I really want to start partnering with some people, you know, you know, I, Paul Jarvis and I have a podcast and yeah, we've yeah. got a really interesting way we're going to monetize that. And, and I think even just in the way that we're going to monetize, it can become its own business for other people to use and that I can reuse it in partnering with other people um, on other ideas. So yeah, I've yeah. got, I've got that stuff, teachery. Um, there's a couple other small business things that are coming up. My girlfriend is super creative. We sit next to each other all day long and she used to work for me with I reassured and now she does her own thing. And I'm really just trying to get her to become like my design and branding person for all my projects. <laughs> yeah. So, so that we can just start like creating stuff and building things and, you know, making the world a better place for entrepreneurs and creative professionals to learn from the stuff that we've been able to figure out and hopefully take a lot of hard work that we put into th something and make it easier for them to, you're not going to make a million dollars in 22 steps, but maybe you'll make an extra thousand bucks in 22 steps and yeah. just create some of that stuff um, with multiple people, you know, next year. Yeah. And her stuff is awesome too. I've checked out, checked out her website. And if you check out any of Jason's uh, websites, uh, they're all, very, very uh, well done. And she, she does all that for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, she does. And, and that's, uh, that is a, that is definitely a luxury I can say that I have. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I can admit to that one. But nice. yeah, no, that's awesome. If anybody wants to check out her stuff, it's madevibrant.com. Um, some pretty cool stuff there. But yeah, no, I appreciate it. And listen, I, I'm really glad to chat with you. This has been one of the more fun interviews that I've done. I think just talking about real stuff and pulling back the curtain and not just saying like, oh, well, here's how I got on the Today Show and all that. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that doesn't matter to anybody. It's, they're not going to do any of that stuff. But I think really being intentional about your life and picking out where you have value and, hey man, I would, I would challenge you to, to jump on a, a detox of some sort and, you know, just schedule it, you know, make sure you build up enough money that if, 
if you need to save up for a couple months to be able to do it and take off and you can say, all right, like, let's see what happens during this month. And I think anybody could do that if they just plan for it. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. My wife and I both have, have talked about it a lot recently, just and beyond just social media, just, you know, you get into such a rhythm of especially when you have kids, you get into this rhythm of your days and it's really hard to break out of it. And you almost have to do something drastic like say, OK, we're going to cancel Netflix or we're going to just delete Facebook from every from every device or something kind of drastic to shake you out of just the regular routine. And that's kind of when interesting things happen, I think. Absolutely. But, uh, I, I totally agree. you got to shake it up and you got to do different things. Yeah. But th- thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. It was great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Well, that is the show. Thanks for listening. I love that guy, man. Seriously. Jason, I'm going to move to San Diego. Going to be your neighbor. You're going to hate it, but man, I'm going to love it. Just asking you questions all day long. All right, not really. I'm kind of stuck here in Chattanooga until I get out of debt. It's going to be a while. But anyway, maybe you can give me some tips on that. All right, some things to check out. If you want to be part of the contest and win some cool shit go to avclark.com slash contest and follow the steps and you will be entered to win some awesome prizes also please subscribe to the show and rate and review that is immensely helpful in making the show available to other people it means a lot to me I really appreciate it. Go to avclark.com slash TGM to find out more about The Gently Mad and listen to the old episodes. Last episode was Chase Reeves. The first one was about me and the history of the show, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Show notes and everything we talked about in this episode can be found at avclark.com slash three. Make sure and check back for the next episode with my friend Justin Jackson. And until then... See you next time.